Chapter Eight of Northwest. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Roger Moline. Northwest by Harold Bindloss. Chapter Eight. Jimmy gets to work. On the evening Jimmy returned from Vancouver, he went to the dining room as soon as the bell rang and waited by Stannard's table. The table occupied a corner by a window and commanded the room and a noble view of rocks and distant snow. Other guests had wanted the corner, but Stannard had got it for his party. Although he was not rich, Stannard's habit was to get things like that. The room was spacious and paneled with cedar and maple. Slender wooden pillars supported the decorated beams. The tables were furnished with good china and nickel. The windows were open and the keen smell of the pines floated in. After a few moments Jimmy heard Deering's laugh and Stannard's party crossed the floor. Frank Dillon talked to Laura, whom Jimmy had not seen since he returned. Frank was rather a handsome, athletic young fellow. Laura wore a fashionable black dinner dress, and her skin, by contrast, was very white. Her movements were languidly graceful, and Jimmy got a sense of high cultivation. He was young, and to know he belonged to Laura's party flattered him. Yet he was half embarrassed, because he waited for other guests and did not know if Laura would like his friends. When she gave Jimmy her hand, Stannard indicated two extra chairs. "'Hello,' he said. "'I must see the head waiter. This table's ours.' Two friends of mine are coming,' Jimmy replied and turned to Laura apologetically. "'Perhaps I ought to have told you, but I wrote to Jardine from Vancouver, and when I returned and got his letter you were not about.' "'Was it not Miss Jardine you helped when her horse ran away?' "'I doubt if I did help much, but after the horse knocked me down I went to the homestead, and Jardine was kind. Now I want to talk to him. He's a good rancher.' "'Then ranching really interests you?' "'Jimmy has bought a ranch, and I'm going to stay with him,' said Deering, with a noisy laugh. Perhaps to hunt and live the simple life will help me keep down my weight. Laura gave Jimmy a keen glance, and he thought she frowned. You, a rancher? It's ridiculous. But Deering likes to joke. It is not at all a joke, Deering rejoined. Jimmy has bought a ranch, and Stannard and I disputed who should lend him the money. As a rule, one's friends don't dispute about that sort of privilege, but one trusts Jimmy. Perhaps his trusting you accounts for it. "'I suppose Miss Jardine comes with her father?' Laura remarked. Jimmy agreed and looked at Stannard, who had picked up the bill of fare. "'We must wait for your friends,' he said carelessly, but Jimmy thought him annoyed." Then Jimmy turned and saw Margaret and Jardine. The rancher's clothes were obviously bought at a small settlement store, but his figure was good and his glance was keen and cool. Somehow Jimmy imagined him ironically amused. 
Margaret's blue dress was not fashionable, but she carried herself like an Indian and was marked by something of the Indian's calm. In the sunset her hair was red, her eyes were blue, and her skin was brown. When Jimmy advanced to meet her she gave him a frank smile. He presented her to Laura and noted Dillon's admiring glance. Stannard called a waiter, and when dinner was served began to talk. Laura supported him, but Jimmy rather thought her support too obvious. This was strange, because Laura was clever and knew where to stop. Now it looked as if she did not. The Jardines were his friends, but nothing indicated that for them to dine at a fashionable hotel was embarrassing. He imagined Margaret studied Laura, and sometimes Laura's glance rested on the other for a moment and was gone. When Deering had satisfied his appetite, however, he firmly took the lead, and Jimmy let him do so. Sometimes Deering's humor was rude, but it was kind. When they went to the terrace, others joined them, and soon a party surrounded Stannard's table. After a time, the people moved their chairs about, and Jimmy saw Jardine was with Deering and Dillon had joined Margaret. He fancied Laura had remarked this, but she lighted a cigarette and gave him a friendly smile. "'Your friends don't want you just now. When you started for Vancouver, I think you ought to have told me about your ranching experiment.' "'I didn't know.' said Jimmy, in an apologetic voice. I saw a map in a land agent's window, and something called. I hesitated for a few minutes, and then went in. Then you didn't go to Vancouver in order to buy a ranch? Not at all, said Jimmy, and stopped, because he did not want to state why he did go. Of course it looks like a rash plunge, he resumed. Still, I doubt if it really is rash, and I imagined you would approve. Laura smiled. I don't know much about ranching. Not long ago you declared I ought to have an occupation. Then you felt you must get to work because I thought you ought? said Laura and gave Jimmy a gentle glance. Jimmy's heart beat, but he knitted his brows. He was sincere, and Laura was not altogether accountable for his resolve. "'Well,' he said in a thoughtful voice, "'I was getting slack and loafing along the easy way until you pulled me up. I owe you much for that. You forced me to ponder, and I began to see loafing was dangerous. One must have an object, and I looked about.' He stopped with some embarrassment and Laura saw he was moved. Jimmy did owe her something, for she had meddled at a moment when he was vaguely dissatisfied and looking for a lead. At the beginning she was not selfish. She wanted him to stop and ponder, but he had started off again and was not going where she wanted him to go. "'You imply you have found an object?' she remarked. After all, one's object ought to be worth while, and to chop trees on a ranch will not carry you far. Perhaps your proper occupation is at the cotton mill. 
I think not, anyhow not yet. Until I'm twenty-five, Dick Leyland has control. Dick is a good mill manager, but his school is the old school. He holds down our workpeople, and they grumble. The machinery's crowded, and some is not safe. The operatives have not the space and light that makes work easier. Then the office is dark and cold. One can't persuade Dick that harshness and parsimony is no longer pay. Well, when I go back I must have power to put things straight. The house is famous. My father built its fortune, and after all, I'm its head. Laura mused. She was poor, and, hating poverty, had begun to weigh Jimmy's advantages. To marry the head of the famous house was a sound ambition, and she thought if she used her charm, Jimmy would marry her. He was young, and in some respects argued like a boy. Laura was young, but she argued like a calculating woman. Yet she hesitated. "'But you have some power.' she said, and smiled. Besides, you're obstinate. It's possible. All the same, I haven't tried my power, and don't trust myself. Dick and I would jar, and when I couldn't move him, I expect I'd get savage and turn down the job. When I have done some useful work, for example, cleared a ranch, got confidence and know my strength, I'll go back and try to take my proper part. Does one get the qualities you feel you want at a bush ranch? Jardine has got a number. At Kelshope, all is properly planned and stubbornly carried out. His labor's rewarded, and the important thing is he is satisfied. I'm not, and I admit I haven't got much ground to be satisfied. "'Oh, well,' said Laura, "'in a few days we start on our excursion to Puget Sound. I think you agreed to join us.' Jimmy knitted his brows. He wanted to join the party, but saw some obstacles. "'We talked about it. If I agreed, of course I'll go.' "'Because you agreed?' "'Not altogether. I'd like to go.' Then why did you hesitate? We want you to join us. For one thing, I really don't think I did agree. Anyhow, you'll have Dillon. His home's on Puget Sound, and I expect he's going. Frank is rather a good sort, but sometimes he bores one, Laura remarked carelessly. Besides, after a time he's going to some friends in Colorado. Jimmy's heart beat. Although he was not yet Laura's lover, her charm was strong. Still, he ought to get to work, and if he went to Puget Sound with Laura, he might not afterwards bother about the ranch. Well, perhaps the ranch was not important. If he wanted, he could, no doubt, sell the land. The clash of a locomotive bell, softened by the distance, echoed across the bush. A freight train had started from the water tank for the long climb to the pass, and Jimmy felt the faint notes carried a message. Canada was a land of bells. 
At Montreal the locomotive bells rang all night. Their tolling rolled across wide belts of wheat, and broke the silence that broods over the rocks. When all was quiet in the bush, the cowbells rang sweet chimes. Perhaps Jimmy was romantic, but he felt the bells stood for useful effort, and now they called. The strange thing was, he thought he heard pine branches crack and Margaret's voice. Oh, Buck, oh, Bright. I'm sorry, but I can't go, he said. I have bought the ranch and must get to work. Laura gave him a keen glance and got a jar. He frowned and his mouth was tight. She had thought she could move Jimmy, but now she doubted and because she was proud, she dared not try. "'Oh, well,' she said, "'we have talked for some time, and Deering has left Jardine.' She sent Jimmy off and looked about. Dillon talked to Margaret, and although Laura imagined a smile would detach him from the group, she did not smile. After all, if Frank joined her, Jimmy might occupy the chair he left. Laura crossed the terrace and joined a young Canadian. Jim sat down by the rancher and inquired, "'Do you know the land I bought?' "'The soil is pretty good, but the timber's thick, and until you work out the turpentine, you'll not get much crop. You'll need to chop and burn off the trees, grub the stumps, and then plow for oats and timothy.' For some years the oats will not grow milling heads. You cut them for hay. Looks like a long job. Suppose I wanted to sell the block after a time. It depends, said Jardine dryly. You might get your money back. You imply it depends on the labor one uses? Jimmy remarked. Well, I know nothing about chopping and I haven't pulled a crosscut saw. Do you think I can make good?" Jardine looked about the terrace, and his eyes twinkled. He noted the men's dinner jackets and the women's fashionable clothes. People talked and laughed and smoked. "'I'm thinking your friends would not make good. You cannot play at ranching.' "'My object's not to play.' said jimmy in a quiet voice anyhow before you start to work you must get proper tools suppose you tell me what i need jardine did so and added proper tools and stock are a sound investment but you cannot get them cheap can you put up the money i must borrow some jimmy admitted and thought jardine studied stannard who talked to two or three young men not far off. "'Then maybe you'd better borrow from Mr. Deering.' Jardine had said something like this before, but Jimmy let it go, and the rancher indicated Margaret. Dillon leaned against a post opposite the girl, and a group of young men and women occupied the surrounding chairs. A touch of color had come to Margaret's skin. Her look was alert and happy. Jimmy had known her undertake a man's job at the ranch, 
but on the hotel veranda she was not at all exotic. "'I must thank you, Mr. Leyland. Sometimes it's lonesome at the ranch,' Jardine remarked. Jimmy said he hoped his guests would stay for some days, but Jardine refused. "'At Kelshope work's a-waitin', and we'll start the morn. If you come back with us, we'll look over the block you bought, and I might advise you about laying it out. In the meantime, we'll reckon up the tools and stock you'll need." They began to talk about the ranch, and Stannard joined Laura, who sent off her companion. "'What do you think about Jimmy's experiment?' Stannard asked. Laura studied him. On the whole, his look was careless, but she doubted. "'I don't know. Do you think him rash?' Stannard shrugged. "'My notion is the thing's a rather expensive caprice, but after all, Jimmy's rich. He's easily moved, and perhaps his bush friends have persuaded him.' "'It's possible,' Laura agreed. "'All the same, Jimmy's keen. He really means to ranch.' "'You have some grounds to know him, Keene?' Laura's grounds were good, and she wondered whether Stannard knew. Her father was clever, and she saw his look was thoughtful. "'For one thing, he declares he cannot go with us to Puget Sound,' she said. "'You imply he would sooner start for the bush with the Jardines?' Stannard suggested with a smile. "'After all, it's not important, and I expect Jimmy will go where he wants,' said Laura, and went up the veranda steps. She thought she had baffled Stannard, but she was hurt. At the beginning she knew her advice to Jimmy was good. When he was going the wrong way, she had stopped him. Now, however, it looked as if her power was gone. She could see herself Jimmy's guide in Lancashire, but to guide him in the lonely bush was another thing. End of chapter 8 Recording by Roger Moline